It's almost like the 500-mile race here. Recording in progress. When we get started here, it gets really, really busy. Unmuting everybody and doing whatever you guys asked for it, so we put in the full muting function. So we are here with Book Talk with Jennifer and Nolan. Jennifer, I know you're unmuted. I'll make sure Nolan is when I get to to make sure he's unmuted, so you can go ahead and take it. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Book Talk, and I hope that everyone has had a good holiday. And so uh, the thing that I'll introduce Nolan and and let Nolan come in, but I want to throw out a topic that I sort of haven't said anything to Nolan about, but I'm interested in what you all think makes a good narrator and why we like some narrators better than others. Nolan? Well, I think I'm hearable. Welcome, everyone. It's a pleasure to have you back this week. I I can't stress strongly enough how much I look forward to these Tuesday afternoons. I I just kind of count hours. I've said that I know a lot every week, but it just never changes. It's just a... It's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you about something that clearly I have a a great deal of love for and passion for. And uh, narrators, gosh, it's a hard, hard call because I don't know if I can if I can pick certain qualities. I I think I want someone who will just read the book to me. I, I don't need a lot of tears and high drama. I don't need robotics, but I just I, I, I don't need a lot of and, and like as I get older and my hearing gets a little more difficult to deal with, I don't need lots of fake accents. Now, if you're from Great Britain and you have the accent or, or Australia, you should keep it by all means and you should narrate with it. But if you're over here and you have it, you're using some weird accent, unless you're incredibly talented and you have a resoundingly solid theater background. Be very careful about those things, I think, because they make it harder to hear and understand and appreciate the book. You can run into cases with narrators where the narrator actually becomes the message, not the plot of the book and the characters. That's a, that's just never a good thing. And uh, the best narrators to me are the ones who know how to narrate but don't get in the way of the book. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It, like you say, it's hard to pick qualities i think of course i kind of like some of the drama when the when the you can tell the characters apart and you really like you say i like the tears when it's really sad mm-hmm. as long as it's not like overly dramatic but that you get that you know it's supposed to be a sad thing because you're not reading the dialogue and so you're going strictly by their interpretation of what of what is what is going on and i mean because like if i wanted a screen reader i'd use eloquence and read it sure we have uh pierre's hand up uh when you guys are ready go ahead pierre let's go gotta unmute pierre let me i got it yep yes we hear you just fine uh but what i like in uh in a reader is the reader must fit the genre like if uh if you hear a western you pretty much know it's probably going to be read by john hope you know because he just does a great job on western but if you want wanted something with say war and a lot of action 
you want Roy Avers because he, you know, that's just the kind of books that he w- he was really good at. And I also like in women, I like Madeline Bazard because she could really portray each character where you know who's talking at the time. I think that's important, and thanks for bringing that up. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that, but I know you're right. The other thing that really makes a narrator special to me is whether that person has planned and prepared carefully the pronunciations. Let me give you a quick example. I grew up in Utah. Some of the community names in that state are also names that you would find in the Book of Mormon. No big surprise there, considering the predominant population. Uh, The place was settled by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so you'll have names that are are a little uncommon because of their uh, their origin. And so there are communities like Lehi and Moroni and Nephi. And if you're a, if you're not a great narrator and you haven't prepared well, you're inevitably going to mispronounce some of those communities, and it'll become Lehi or Moroni or some unfortunate. And that can wreck a book for me as someone who knows the real pronunciations of those place names and. The ones who have done the homework and who really pronounce that correct, those things correctly, uh, get extra points from me because that just adds to the authenticity of the book, and it, it's a uh, it's it's a huge plus. And to go along with what Pierre was saying, not only the genre needs to be right, but the gender needs to be right. If the main character is a man, you don't really want a woman to read like J.P. Beaumont. I'm sorry, there's not a woman that's good enough to be that character. <laughs> and yet they do it, don't they? They, oh, they, they do it. Yeah. And... Oh, we do have a hand raise, don't we, Perry? It looks like... Uh... We do. It is uh, Dan. So, Dan, if you want to go ahead, well, let me. There, go ahead, Dan, if you want to. I should should be unmuted. You're good. I think I am. Okay. Um, I think that one of the things that drives me crazy about narrators is when they mispronounce stuff like what Nolan was saying. I mean, that. There's an absolutely marvelous um, English English series by um, uh, the name is, is. it's the Pasco and um, what's his name? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> um, that is Reginald Hill. <laughs> oh and, yeah, oh yes, oh, of course. And there are two different narrators that do those books. And when I get one, I love them. And when I get one of those that's narrated by Brand X, which I don't even know what his name uh, is, right? But when I do, I cannot read it. I just uh-huh. have to put it away. And uh-huh. those books are just so good. And they are. They just get ruined by that narrator. Dalziel and Pasco are yeah, the guys. It's, but it's about. actually DL. Is right, DL. You're correct. The synthesizer yes. says Dal. You're right. It's DL and mm-hmm. Pasco. Yes, that's a lovely series. And and you're right. And it, it depends on who reads it, doesn't it? It does. And mm-hmm. the thing that gets me irritated every time I hear it when I call him Dalziel <laughs> is right. that in the first one of those books it specifically says how to pronounce that name yes it does uh, and right. uh, and it's like you said there's no research done no and you just want to smack them or something. yes it's so frustrating yeah absolutely right mm-hmm. and and generally it, it you see people that mispronounce just normal words too sure um and maybe it's just a I'm from Kentucky, and maybe I may pronounce it differently than somebody else from another part of the country would do that. I don't know. But that also just grates on my nerves really bad. I understand. I agree. Makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it's Dan. I think you accidentally skipped me. Oh, 
Go ahead. Oh, I'm you're, sorry. You're up. No, that's fine. No, that's okay. No, that's I like good. everyone's opinion. Um, Go ahead. I, I, I like subtlety. I mean, good example is there's a author, Barbara Pym, and a lot, her books are very use a lot of irony and reference. You have to know a lot about English culture and music and the Anglican church and literature and all that stuff. But if you know those things like I do, but she reads with this detached ir- irony. And even though she doesn't use an English accent, her, her tone of voice just indicates very well that the author is just contemptuous of the people. <laughs> of the, the characters are contemptuous of each other. Like a person will stay, say, oh, she answered spitefully or she answered unhelpfully. Interesting. <laughs> In the book, the whole book will be that way. Yeah, that's that's one thing. I mean, subtlety. The, and these commercial auto, audio recordings are not subtle. Having no, multiple narrators, you lose track. It's about the performance rather, rather than the... Um, um, than the book, they yeah, don't. People yeah. don't let the book speak for itself. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm so angry with NLS. It's not even funny. Why are they? How do they get away? They promised us they were going to implement the Daisy standard and include text with recordings. Right. And we have all this technology that they're not using. And I, you know, I heard APH the other day on the Change Makers podcast. They were talking about the process they go through of quality control mm-hmm. and there's none with these commercial audiobooks and then for the narrators to have the nerve to say their performances <laughs> a book is not our performance yeah i agree with that part I, and what is going on with nls yeah, what can we do about it i'm so it's, angry it's, with them i don't know my first impression and i don't have a lot of patience with that populace my first impression say these are actors who need their egos stroked Mm-hmm. I just, it, it makes me crazy. You know, it's like, just narrate the book. Yeah. But, it's going to be wonderful, but they don't do what, that. So. What can we do? I don't know that there's much we can this. do. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I think there is. I mean, I think we, you know, the fact there, that they don't even have a director who's blind. Well, yeah, and I I, I don't know. I, I think there are probably, uh, I don't know. I just, I get so disillusioned with all things government some days that I'm not sure I can well, do much to change anything. Yeah. So I don't know. And their selection, they don't even have that many books. It's an odd selection these days. The it's last very, couple years. and yeah. I'm not a prude, but their titles, if you see like something in the bedroom, it's like, what is someone going to think? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, what if some high school kid got caught by their parents looking at the recent list of books? I don't think a parent would be too happy. Well, I I agree with you. In fact, I I've become a bit of a prude in my old age in terms of what I read, and I I tend, okay. to, I, t- I tend to prefer closed door romance. If I'm going to read that stuff, I'd re- really rather it be more closed door. Yeah, and, me too. It's like let's have some subtlety. Yeah, I don't exactly just just fade to black. Let me figure it out. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah, I no. Well, I, see, I feel that way about language, though. Some of the language, I don't think some of those words have to be used in a book. They don't add anything to the plot. Correct. I don't want to be embarrassed if I'm reading out loud and somebody hears that stuff because I, I don't, don't talk like that. And I, I don't, agree. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's, I think uh, Pam wants to get into the conversation too. All right, Pam, go ahead. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate your input. You're welcome. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Um, is it is it my understanding? at least used to be that the narrators for APH or for NLS didn't, didn't they used to have to read those books uh, all the way through to themselves before they went to narrate them? I don't think there was a hard rule. I think uh, some of them did prepare by reading in advance and even marking up the text when they, when they could do that. But I don't think there's a hard rule about that at all. I, 
I think you can, if you can do it right and do it well, and you, you just walk in and do it on the first take, then that's okay. They're not going to reject that. Um, I, I do think the quality control is less stringent than it used to be. Um, and I don't quite know what that's about. I, I, I is that guesses. because is that because of the because of the use of the audible books? Yeah, sometimes, absolutely. The commercial books sometimes don't have the same the same quality that we. Those of us who've been at this a long time will remember some of the NLS narrators that we knew as children and young adults. And I got I have to tell you, folks, those these current this current staple stable of narrators, the commercial as well as other, for the most part, they don't have the same. Uh, standout qualities that you that you had back in those earlier years and a lot of it stems from the the foundations of these narrators some of them were old-time radio uh, actors and so they really knew how to use their voice because they're they're essentially reading once again to an audience who can't see any of the videos or pictures in the book so to speak so they 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 did a magnificent job and i miss so many of them uh now i think i think of books that are out there now and i think my goodness what what an amazing job so and so would have done on this series um and it's fun in my mind i will match current books with old readers of my youth and childhood <laughs> and, and kind of fantasize about what a great job that would have been so well it's just a shame when one narrator doesn't get to do the whole series because they kind of become that character they do indeed yeah. and it's so hard to switch yeah they do uh, we have Gil with his hand I up, think... Nola. Okay. Go ahead, Gil. May have to unmute him. I did. Okay. Uh, I asked him to unmute. Okay. Um. Hello, everyone. I uh, want to to jump in here and uh, say one of the things that's most important to me in a narrator is one that will read in different voice because. Uh, so many of the books I read uh, have a lot of dialogue, and some authors are better than others, but some are not very good about uh, letting you know uh, which character is speaking at a given time. There's an exchange of dialogue, and they don't say he said, she said, or anything like that. There's, you can tell if you read in Braille or print by the indent who's right. speaking, but right. uh, you need a narrator that will change the voice so that you can tell for sure who's speaking, and that, that is very important to me. That's a good point. And that raises the question that I have, and that is, are there times when they go too far with voice differentiation? So one example for me is that I just cringe whenever I hear some of those Denver narrators read <laughs> because their their female voices are cartoonish almost. And the falsettos are so bizarre that it it just uh, it's it's amazing to me but maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe people prefer a really solid difference in voices i'm curious as to the, what people think we have uh randy with her hand up and randy you're on mute and uh, nolan just for one second here if we have to in some cases not in all cases mm -hmm. but in some cases we have to ask you to unmute as callers so we will we'll take care of that but in some cases just just know that if it you know if you don't mute, unmute in within one or two seconds we'll get to you so uh randy you should be good to go hi everybody this is a great discussion and um i enjoy when a reader can do different different voices um but i also want someone who's going to be clear and be a, have a, a good voice for reading. Um, I have always had a hearing impairment and 
I've been, I've always been particular about readers and there are times, especially now with the newer readers that we have with NLS, there are times when I'll start to listen to a book and then decide, no, I can't hack this reader. I have to find it either on Audible or in Braille because yes. I can't read it. Yes. And I like when they have multiple readers. I I enjoy that, especially for books of readers doing different characters. And so I like the multiple readers. Sometimes I even find myself going back to books that I read many times because I like the reader, especially if it's, you know, one of our old favorites, like a Mitzi Friedlander book mm-hmm. or um, Bob Askew, some of those yes. readers that we've all been so familiar with. Yes. So. Uh, thank you for that. That's I agree with you completely that a lot of the, some of the newer readers just are, are, are often difficult mm-hmm. to understand. I, I don't know. I, Don, is also, next, Don, you should be good to go now. Okay, I, this is an interesting discussion, and I think one of the things that I have become very aware of, because nowadays a lot of sighted folks are reading audiobooks, and I've been talking to people, people I met on paratransit, people in my office, and I've come to the conclusion that younger blind people and a lot of sighted people want a lot more performance in their books than I do, because I really differentiate between... And I love the theater. Nobody loves theater more than I, well, I can't quite say that, but it comes close to being true. Nobody loves theater more than I do, and nobody values it more than I do. But I don't want my book to be a theater performance. I want the book to be a book. Um, But I think that that varies with age. I think that that varies with education. I think that also one of my one of my colleagues in the office who's fully cited was telling me that they choose certain books to read the audio version because it's the type of book that they want performed. So they they make a real distinction between, well, I want to read this in print and I want to read this in audio. And I think because we have not always had that availability, we kind of view everything with one brush when we look at what we're going to read. I do think, though, that the commentary, the comments that were made about genre are really important. I love Mitzi Friedlander. I have been a huge Mitzi fan since I was a kid. But hearing her read Maya Angelou, I could not stop laughing because it was such an inappropriate choice. I mean, she did the best she could with it, but it didn't fit her her tone and her voice and her speech pattern was in no, it just did not fit the reading. And it made it very, very difficult. I think that the overperformance of books, I think there's a difference between someone who differentiates voices and somebody who really, as you say, has this cartoonish quality. I read a mystery where I actually stopped reading halfway through because I couldn't believe it was a, it was really they were they were it was a murderer and he, but it was so cartoonishly read that i could not i couldn't even ignore it enough to appreciate what the author was doing i'll just the one other thing i'll say is when i've heard talking book narrators speak and somebody always asks about do you pre-read and what i discovered is that i was able to tell 
I was able to accurately guess almost 100% of the time whether the narrator pre-read or not. Percent of the time whether the narrator pre-read or not. And a lot of them would brag about, oh, I don't need to do that. And I will always want to get up and say, yeah, and it shows that you don't, you don't think you need to do that. It shows in the way that you're reading. It shows in the mistakes that you're making. So I don't know what you're bragging about because it's not impressive to me. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that brings up one more question on this same subject. Have any of you tried listening to a graphic novel? Let me give you a quick example of one that I that comes to mind for me immediately. And by the way, I loved the experience and I didn't think I would. I really thought I would hate it. This is a book called Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarians <laughs> by, by, by Brandon Sanderson, of all people. And um, it's read by a whole plethora of people who used to narrate for Potomac Talking Book which will be an agency familiar to some of us. Um, it Those folks produced NLS books in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, folks like Colleen Delaney. Um, uh, oh, gosh. Just because she's my personal favorite over there, that doesn't mean she's the only one. There are a whole host of others who read for Potomac Talking Book. And this book, Alcatraz versus the Librarians, um, uh, Terrence Azelford was one of those people that do, also that re reads this. It's a whole bunch of people who read this book and uh it's uh, essentially about a 13 year old guy who a 13 year old guy who receives a bag of sand that's immediately stolen by evil librarians who are trying to take over the world and uh, he's introduced to his grandfather who teaches him that he has a specific talent that can stop that from happening it's fun because you don't often think of librarians as evil people who are trying to take over the world first of all but the the my point that i make is that it's read by a massive number of people, and it's very much more like a movie than a uh, just a sit down and read a book. I enjoyed it. I didn't think I would, and I think that if you're going to do a graphic novel like that, you probably don't have much choice but to highly produce it. But I could be wrong. I don't know. We have uh, Gregory with his hand up, so you you should be good to unmute now. I'm unmuted. I hope. Good job. Uh, you're good. You're here. Good. Hey, Dolan. It's Greg Daniel. Good to have Columbus. you here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I play. I play in an alumni band from Ohio State, and we our theme this year is movie blockbusters. And yesterday we had a concert. We played some stuff from James Bond, and it reminded me that I read an essay in uh, probably New York Times Book Review or something that somebody wrote and said uh, that the way James Bond treated women was exactly the way. Now, I don't know if anybody on here has ever read Forever Amber. I've read that years and years ago, probably 40 years ago. It was a very interesting book because Forever Amber was written by, I think, Kathleen Windsor, like yep. Windsor Castle. Okay. You're correct. Yes, and you're uh, correct. It, <laughs> it was a banned book right before World War II. So needless to say, it was the hottest read on the way across the ocean uh, <laughs> on the Queen Mary or Queen Elizabeth, however they, you know, uh, reading on deck all day. Everybody could just devour that book. Well, this Amber was a young lady from a small English village in the time of the of uh, Cromwell and the Cavaliers uh, that someone came to her village village and she was upwardly mobile and you know didn't want to stay in this one horse town and wanted to go to london and she did and she was a pretty tragic character but it, but it was not 
I mean, when you you think of a banned book, you think of something that's really awful, and it wasn't that bad. Uh, it sort of reminded me of Gone with the Wind. I mean, I uh, that was an interesting book, and I liked it, except I got really tired of Scarlett O'Hara's uh, snotty uh, me first uh, demeanor. But anyhow, this this Amber uh, character treated men in the same way that James Bond treated women, which was a fascinating concept. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, on Sherry. board, by the way. At, yes, it is. Uh, DB14475, if you want to read that, and I, I have read it, and it's, it was a great, it was an interesting book. It was a, it was a very interesting book, yeah. and it gave you such a glimpse of English society, especially yeah. upper, the, the monarchy. Yes. Oh, and the and, corruption and the oh, nastiness. And the, oh, and, and the, and the uh, two, two-faced, uh, yes. you know, they would go, they would take their uh, mistresses to watch the prostitutes being whipped. Now, yes. you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I mean, how bizarre is that? When amazing book. Yeah, it was just, and it was it, all about, you know, the king could jump into bed with whoever he wanted to. Nobody ever thought about turning him down. And he did. And he did. And I, yeah. as, as I read that, I the, the most prevailing thought I had, Greg, was thank God for 1776 and all yeah. of the things that, that it implied. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I've read a, a couple of um, uh, books by about the War of the Roses and stuff like that. And, and one of them was by Sharon Penman. Right. Called the Sun and Splendor. The Sun was like S U N N E in Splendor, S P L E N D O U R, and that Sun and Splendor referred to Richard III's badge uh, of, of his kingship, which right. was the Sun, a meteorological condition where the atmosphere look makes the Sun look like there's two or three of them, uh-huh. and that was part of his badge. But it portrayed the last years of the War of the Roses and day to day life. And who who thought who should be sitting on the throne and just an un, unskullduggery at its highest degree and right. and double dealing and and well you talk about you know some some backbiting and backstabbing and all that stuff it was right. amazing so anyway that's well, thank that, you for that you're welcome. that you're welcome we have uh, Sherry's hand Sherry. up so Sherry go ahead hey guys you be a, there you go. there you go go uh, ahead so um I love talking about narrators. On one comment, I have a couple comments, but the first one I wanted to say about narrators who don't prepare. Unfortunately, Bard got the commercial audio of this book I'm going to mention, and it's very sad because I really wanted to read the book. The book is called The Astronaut Wives Club, and the commercial narrator, Orla Cassidy, consistently mispronounced one of the astronaut's last names. Gosh. Gus Grissom, and she pronounced it Grisham, like the author. Gosh. And there's no excuse for that. He was a real person. He was a hero. He died in a tragic, terrible way. Right. And I I couldn't even read it. I I read maybe a chapter or two to see if she got educated. Nope. So when Bard got it, I looked at it and said, narrator, I was so disappointed. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, That really can ruin a book. Go ahead. It it really can. It ruined it for me, and I really wanted to read it. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about picking narrators because I had the great experience last year of picking the commercial narrator from my book. And I felt like I was going to be very picky because I've been listening to talking books with all those great classic narrators you mentioned, Nolan. And when I went through this process with ACX, which is Audible's, way that you get your book put on their site they had me fill out all this thing like what type of voice do you want and there are tons of choices like ingenue rough sexy and i picked versatile because i kind of had three main characters a woman a man and a child and i only wanted one narrator because i had to pay for this so i don't want to pay two narrators and then i had to 
give a pick, put together a three page sample for them to read, to audition with me. And I was really picky. I was, there were some good narrators, but I didn't, maybe I didn't like the way they read the woman. The beginning of the book's pretty emotional and dramatic, and maybe they didn't read it that way. Or maybe they, they got all squeaky voiced when they read the kid, which you should be able to change your voice enough to indicate a child is talking without having to do a falsetto. Mm-hmm. Did you make so, the right choice, do you think? I did. I'm very happy with my narrator. And we um, communicated throughout the whole process. I even made sure she pronounced my last name right. Um, She'd ask me, you know, this scene here, how dramatic do you want this to be? Or how do you want this character to sound? That kind of thing. She was really wonderful. The version of my book that is on Bard was recorded by the Colorado Library. And I listened to just enough of it to know that I, I liked how she sounded, but I haven't actually read it because it's really hard to read your own words. Sure. Yeah, I, could, I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. So, but I just wanted to give the, the perspective from that, from that point of view of, it was really interesting to pick the narrator because I wanted somebody that was clear, concise, pronounced things well, narrated well, could differentiate so that you could listen and know who's speaking, that there weren't dialogue hacks. Because, by the way, according to the current rules for authors, you're not supposed to do too many dialogue hacks. So you're not supposed to do he said, she said, he said, she said. Right, right. Unless there's more than two people talking. Okay. So... Yes. Anyway, it was fantastic, and I felt like my years of listening to talking book readers and being very picky about narrators really helped in that process, and it was the most fun thing about the whole process of publishing my book was getting the audio. I'm sure that was great. Thank you for that. Pam, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just curious, and uh, given Nolan's description several weeks ago of the Libby app, I used that for a lot of my audio reading. And do do you guys know if Libby uses Audible's readers or if they have their own set of people? So the answer to your question is yes. (laughs) There are are some occasions when Overdrive, which is the parent company of Libby, will actually create or produce audiobooks. And it will go out into the commercial market and use some of those folks for its, its collection. By and large... Overdrive purchases those books from from folks like Penguin and um, all of, some of the big audio publishers. Uh, Dreamscape uh, comes to mind, and uh, RB Digital. So anyway, there are a whole plethora plethora of companies out there that, and mostly Overdrive will purchase the book from that commercial studio. Sometimes it pays for its own narrations, and so, as I said, the answer is yes. It, it does both. I've got one that I'm about to read that I've read just enough of the the uh, description to, to make me want to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Louis Bayard, B-A-Y-A-R-D. Mm-hmm. And the title of the book is Jackie and Me. It's basically, that's Jackie Kennedy before she was Jackie Kennedy. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. And I'm not sure if it's on Bard. I've got a lady within my building who told me about a book club that she's a part of that's also an online group very similar to this one mm-hmm. so I, I told her about this one so hopefully she'll become a part of our group sure well if you read that one pam uh there's also about three or four books and the author would be clint k-l-i-n-t hill he he was one of her secret service 
details and he's got a few books out there so if you want to read more about her there's a few more for you mm-hmm. all right good deal i just Great. thought maybe i'd show that book out there hopefully no Thank one you. you can find a, a a better a better description on hopefully it's on part you can i'm probably misspelling list. jackie and i i'm coming jackie, up with j-a-c-k-i-e jackie yeah, as in jackie Kennedy. yeah i'm the only ones i'm coming up with under that title is uh a book about Jackie Robinson, so I don't see that on Bard. So. I bet what that's not the, the right one. <laughs> what about the, the right uh, what about the author? Lewis? I don't see that name. Yeah, I don't, oh, I don't find it. But uh, that's okay. Now the ones that I mentioned, Nolan, the Clint Hill books, those are on Bard. Yes, they are. You're right. I've I've read those, so those You're right, are. They on are. Bard. Yeah, they are. Uh-huh. And they are, and they're pretty good books. I mean, if you really get into that kind of historical stuff, I would I would recommend those. And you know, there's sure. not a lot of politics in it, but they're pretty good books. Good. Very cool. So what kind of narrators do you like, Perry? You know what? It depends. Like ever since it depends on the book, you know, if it, if it's, um, if, if it's a, a book, you know, it's got all of action that you want one that makes, you know, that gets the end of the action and if, you know, stuff like that. You need in a lot of, it absolutely depends upon the book. There are a few whom I will download no matter what they read. I just have a lot of appreciation for them. One of the names that comes to mind for me is Jenna Lamia. She is an extremely youthful sounding narrator. And uh, for whatever reason, I can't quite put a hand on. I just, I really enjoy what she does. And uh, Samantha Dez, uh, I believe that's D-E-S-Z maybe, um, does some really, really good audio stuff for Audible. And she's on NLS as well. She, she, they've purchased some of those commercial books. Um, so yeah, there, for me, there are some that are just auto listens. If that person's going to narrate it, this is probably going to be a good book. I'm yep. gonna enjoy it. We have Connie and Connie, you're, you're already unmuted. So you're ready to go. I just wanted to say, getting back to the narrators, <clears throat> I liked the lady that, that read the chain. Oh, she was good. I think she really got into the different, the different people. Oh yeah, that was a good narration. And she right. did a pretty good, good job with a man's voice too. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with that. That was that was with a that good book. book. We just talked about it last week as part of our book oh. buddy book read, uh, "The Chain" by Adrian McKinty. Oh, that one! I haven't yeah. read any of his books. I intend to absolutely like i intend to read so many other books i know i get that (laughs) so Um, while you're all here super quickly and and connie i'll get back to you i didn't want to interrupt um next week's book is the children's blizzard by melanie benjamin and uh that's the book we're going to be discussing next tuesday in this space so if you have time to snag it and give it a quick go over during the week that'd be great we'd love to have you come back and talk about it i'm sorry connie i interrupted you before you were done probably go ahead that's okay um that's all i wanted to say about the narrators but i was hoping that that author that was that was just in here would have told what the name of her book was yeah sherry if you're still here why don't you pop in haven and yeah if sherry's still i don't know if she is but i think she is still here Uh, i think she just spoke i think she just spoke she may help. There you go, Sherry. You can unmute now if you want. I just I hit your butt. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't That's okay. Name, but it's called Haven, H-A-V-E-N. And it is without a giving without giving away a, a, a spoiler, can you can you summarize the plot for us? Sure. I practically have the summary memorized. I'm sure it's a good <laughs> elevator speech, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So it is a romance. There's no sexual content in it, by the way. All all fade to black scenes. Um, 
It is about a blind woman. In the beginning, she is in a courtroom. This isn't a spoiler. It's right in the summary. Getting a divorce, and the judge gives custody of her daughter to the husband solely because she's blind. And she moves to a fictitious town called Haven Valley, Colorado, because she has family there. And she meets a man. So he's the other main character, Michael Kelly. He is a pastor of a small church. It's not really religious fiction. It's just how Michael appeared to me. And he never let me change him. (laughs) And uh, I tried to change him because I didn't want the book to be classified as religious fiction because I wanted anybody (laughs) to read it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be in a niche, but Mm -hmm. he wouldn't change. He wouldn't let me change him. Um, And he is a widower. His wife dies three years before the book starts. And he has a son, three-year-old son. And it's about how they meet and become friends and eventually fall in love and how they both get through their traumas. Wow. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. Is it is it available on uh, BAR, do you know? Yes, it, it is. is. Yeah. You it's know what, not folks, the maybe that, go ahead. audio, but it's, it's, it's there. Okay. We, we may want to think about whether we want to use that as a book discussion one week in a few weeks down the road, maybe. That would be really awesome. Who knows? I can't <laughs> imagine writing a novel. I can't either. I couldn't it just either. blows me away. I, I mean, Randy, Randy, is there? I, go ahead and unmute okay. Randy. There you are. I just wanted, if you'll allow me, I just sure. wanted to give a plug that we will be reading Haven in my book club in September. Okay. Um, for Unaccessible World. Okay. Nice. Novel ideas. When do you meet? We meet on the third Friday of the month, September fifteenth, at eight PM Eastern. All right. Very good. Cool. Uh, and thank Sherry you. will be joining us. I'm sure, yeah. Nice. It's good. All right. Thank you for that. Um any other thoughts on readers, narrators, whatever you call them, uh the good ones, the bad ones, the ones you used to love when you were sick because they it almost was like they made you feel better. I mean uh, I'm pretty sure as a kid, if I were sick, some of those uh, AFB and APH narrators had some real uh, ability to make me forget what I was going through. And uh, it was just good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I. What about the ones who make an attempt at a foreign language who don't know how to speak it? Oh, that drives me absolutely insane. Uh, I've actually abandoned regional library books. There was a spy thriller set during World War II that I abandoned because it was so cringe. Cut the language. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And ugh. Yeah, and you know maybe it's. Um, I've often debated in my head whether those earlier narrators of my childhood were really that much better, or whether it was just that I was so impressionable that you could have sounded like anything, and I would have been completely wowed and awe awestruck. Mm-hmm. I mean. Great names like Livingston Gilbert, William Gladwell. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, Milton Metz, yes. Robert oh, yes. Donnelly. I mean, these are names that Randy most... Atcher. Randy Atcher. What a great sound he had. Yeah. Harry Hayes Sales. Yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. Merwin Smith. Oh gosh. I mean, these were magnificent narrators who who got me through a lot of good and bad times. And uh we yeah, you know, me we, too. And and I, I don't know whether it's just to, because I was a kid when I read them, and so they impressed me so much that they've stayed with me. And so I'm not being fair to the, the current crop. We do have some good different. folks in the current crop, I think. I don't think they're all just mm-hmm. also rands. Well, and you can't forget 
even older, I still like her her books. That she, even though she's no longer with us, was Yvonne Fair Tesler. Uh, oh yeah. Those, oh, yeah. She read that Texas Rich series, mm-hmm. and I uh, think there was another one about Kentucky something another. That was part of that, and she did. She always did such a good yeah. job with the rich, wealthy people and the. The, the, the American Foundation yeah. for the Blind had a magnificent stable in its day as well. Guys like Leon Janney. And, they were actors. They were. Uh, you're absolutely Gord, correct. They Gordon were, Gould. Gordon Gould. What a magnificent yeah. narrator he was. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Scorby. A lot of people don't like Scorby. They th- think he's overrated. Maybe he is. But I still enjoy his narrations of the Old and New Testament. I just think he does a great job with it. Oh, well, I find if a book is sufficiently scary, I'll read it in Braille. I mean, I read Schwandau <laughs> Phoenix by Greg Isles and uh-huh. knowing German. And it's like, if I had tried to listen to it, I probably wouldn't be. It was so scary. I mean, my Braille light was just shaking. <laughs> I can believe it. Yeah. it was yeah. like, and I had nightmares for several weeks. Oh, my God. If I had listened to this, I don't know what it would have happened. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You know, earlier we talked about narrators and what genres they're they were best at. But I, you look, look at somebody like a Bob Athey. That man could read. I'm telling you, yeah. he, could read the, he could read the newspaper to me, and I'd love. Oh yeah, Absolutely. oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Jack just, Fox. Oh, he's still I was afraid. Roy, Roy, Roy yeah. Abrams could read the phone book, and I'd probably yeah. take it. exactly. Yeah. Uh, Gregory has his hand up, so Gregory, come on. Go in. ahead, Greg. Hey, um, we just mentioned Greg. Greg Isles, and my first uh, book that he wrote was Black Cross, which I still think is hands down the best book, the fiction book about World War II ever. Yeah, I've read that too. It's creepy. Uh, the narrator was good, but there again, no one gave me nightmares. <laughs> but he, what a great author, though. That was my yeah, he is. Him. And, and uh, uh, I've read all of his uh, Cage, uh, Cage uh, series from Natchez, Mississippi, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just every everything he's written, I've really, really mm-hmm. liked. And you know, some authors you think, my land, they must have signed a fifteen book series, <laughs> and they should have quit when they got through ten. But I also yeah. wanted to say one more thing about when I fir- when I first joined this, uh, you were talking about uh, content of books and things like that and, and mm-hmm. my only comment was that huh, we all know what sells books sure yes sex oh yeah and, sure. and, and, and thank goodness thank goodness in my case i use a stratus uh, for reading my audible books audio books i mean and thank goodness for the fast forward thing because i, yeah, I no fast forward through all that <laughs> you know, all that uh ver, you know yeah. horizontal mattress yep. business yep. that goes on yeah i mean yeah. I need, <laughs> i'm right there with you believe yeah. me i Absolutely. I've gotten so good at hovering over that forward button. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thank uh, you. I agree. There Thank are you. books. There are books I haven't reviewed on DB Review because I was disgusted with the sex scenes. There's. I. Ugh, ugh. Well, if I don't review a book, it means I don't like it. Right. And if I if I hate a book, I will review it to warn people. Just to warn people, <laughs> stay away from that landmine. <laughs> I understand. Okay. Uh, that. Hey, Randy, come on hey, in. Randy. How about? Hmm. One of my old favorites, Burt Blackwell. Oh, yeah, he was, he a, was a treasure, wasn't yeah. he? Not? Yeah, he was. A His narration of the, our he town. He read all the Hardy Boys, and he read yes. our town. Oh, wow. Oh, his narration of our town is one of, is has to be one of the best anywhere out there. I don't know. Oh. I 
I yeah, agree. Yeah, I've listened to that. I read it from Bookshare. I, I reread oh. it a few times. I, I do too. A couple years ago, I and I just too. reread it because I want to hear him read again. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's such a good play. Yeah. Anyway, it's always it been is. one of my favorites. It is. It's outstanding. I read it on my birthday every year. Yeah, I, yeah. That's I read a it on New Year's to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I um, can see why it's a great book. Yeah, and it's well narrated, um, just really well. I just reviewed a book, Susquehanna, that I've read three times. The first time it got dropped in the mail on cassette, and I was unemployed and i was so into it that i wasn't sleeping i was staying up all night reading <laughs> and i read it another time and i just read it again and reviewed it and now i'm going to review the uh read the sequel at some point i don't know when that's just so good when a book just keeps you so yeah. you gotta stay up and finish it yeah oh, it gets so exciting that you can well, I can't be a night owl anymore. I've turned into a pumpkin about 10 o'clock. Killed us all, isn't it? Yeah. The first time I read The Thornbird by Colleen. Oh, that is a good book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a I very read, good book. Oh, yeah. And I, I read Bob Assey's narration of it. Oh, and I was, when it first came out, I was so upset because I wanted mm. to read it. Everybody in my family was reading. My, oh. my mother and my grandmother in the library said, sorry, you can't read it yet. And... <laughs> When I it finally got on cassette and I was able to read it, I was it was right before my 16th birthday, mm. and I started reading it. I stayed up all night the night before my birthday <laughs> reading mm. that book, and then I was just my family had a pool party, a surprise pool party for me the next night, and I just was Aww. still. I was just <laughs> going all day. And then after that pool party, I was still up reading. <laughs> I couldn't other, do that now. Yeah, no, that those days are gone, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other discussions or thoughts on narrators? Uh, what makes them good? What makes them? What makes you turn away from them? What would you like to see in in a, a, a good narrator? Well, I was listening to a book. I forget which one, and they must have used spatial audio. I had my iPad. I'm wearing my AirPods like I am now. All of a sudden, the voice changed direction, and I'm out wow. of the chair. It was That's like, where did that come from? Wow. It was like across the room. That is wow. scary stuff, yeah. It was. That's, wow. Very cool. I'm, just, I'm also curious when it comes to narration. I'm going to reread Roots. Mm-hmm. I read that mm-hmm. thing when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And knowing that that's about the, the way that the Blacks came to this country, et cetera, do you think that because of its origin, do you think a black narrator is going to be best at that? Or would you rather have one of your favorites, like an Aki or Milton? That's Matt, a great question. I don't know. I think wow. I'll read it in Braille. That is a very good question. That's Pam. a great question. I read it in Braille, and I was glad I did, because sometimes it's psychological, I think. But sometimes when mm. you have really descriptive kind of gross scenes, they're not mm-hmm. as gross if I'm reading it as they are if I hear somebody read it. Yeah. To me, it's disgusting yeah. if I hear them read it. I love all your comments. Everyone has really got great comments. You know, it would be a good topic sometime is why someone chooses to read a book in Braille or not. Why no, we, should... we read we should take you know, that up, and certainly there are enough. There are also sighted readers who listen to this podcast mm-hmm. once it's available. And the same oh. question would apply to them: Why do you choose a print over an audio book? Or, mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think I have my lady friend in the building interested in this podcast now. Uh-huh. Good. Wonderful, Pam. <laughs> and oh, it's good grateful. to hear your voice again. We're grateful well, you all you. attend. Um, Hooker like any other... How did you find it? Because I tried looking for Book Talk, and there are a few type, of them. Type in Book Talk and Jenny Sparks right after, or, or Nolan Crabb. You can type in either name, and it should come up. Okay. okay. That's good, Nolan. Uh, Generally, Perry and I are both here behind the scenes trying to help out. We ran into a problem with the name Book Talk. There were several others who had that. Oh, yeah. And we didn't know that, but once we got everything established with everybody and everything, then it takes a while to unravel it. But Book Talk and Jenny Sparks and Nolan Crabb will do the job for you. I'll get you there. Is it okay. book talk one word? Or two words. Two words okay. in this case. Book space talk, okay. and it doesn't have to be case sensitive. Just book talk space Jenny Sparks saying it will definitely come up because I've tried it one million times at least. <laughs> I have no life. so And it, and it does work, Bill, on the uh, Victor stream. I know a lot of people use the Victor stream for podcasts. It yeah, does that's work one of our stream. topics next week is what is your favorite devices and what do you do to listen to books? Oh, so we'll share some of those. Oh, that's a good topic. We'll talk about Ooh, those man. next week about the this different is, devices wow. and ways you do it because – that's Media great. is what we do. We may not do it very well, but we do it. <laughs> so I hate to leave the place without any kind of review. Yeah, do we I, have time for one review? Of we course, do. I'm showing five fifty-six. That's correct. You got oh. it, Noah. Go ahead. If you're okay, I'll do a quickie. Um, this book really impressed me last week, and I, I apologize to DB Review readers who are here because this is going to be a sleepy rerun for most of them um but i i enjoyed it enough that i want to talk about it briefly on this podcast the book is called under the cloud the decades of nuclear testing and the author is richard lee miller if you are eligible to download books from the national library service the book number order number is db25539 once again db25539 I grew up guessing that the only people who were impacted by the open-air nuclear tests of the 50s and 60s were people like my family, who all of us grew up in south, uh, in southern Utah, south-central Utah, and uh, we definitely lived under the cloud. Anytime they did a test, they did everything in their power to make sure that the wind was not blowing toward Los Angeles or San Francisco. They didn't want the beautiful people over there to get hurt, so they wanted to make sure that... Uh, if this blew east, then they'd go ahead and do their open-air tests. Um, I've joked with medical people that if, if you've got an x-ray machine, you're going to take a picture of me, just turn it down to half because I'm probably already radiated from the inside out. Um, it's, a, it's a serious thing. One of the things I learned from this book, however, is that people in Utah and, and, and southern Nevada were not the only ones impacted. Uh, kids as far east as Albany and Troy, New York, had radiation so much in the milk that it caused thyroid problems for those little kids uh, back in the 50s and 60s. Wow. Virtually every state in the union dealt with some form of radioactive fallout from these tests. And, um, and I didn't know that part when I read this, till I read this book, I had no idea that it got that far. Uh, There's, there's talk there. If you read it, he has charts that show you where it happened. And literally, I, I can't think of a single state that didn't get touched by at some level by this stuff. Um, Mm. um, I I guess it's a personal book for me because I had an uncle who herded sheep and he had, he could tell stories and he did of lambs that were born without legs, um, 
uh, sheep whose wool would peel off in great patches, which is not normal. For those of you who've never touched a sheep, it doesn't come off in patches, trust me. And that was because of the radiation. And uh, the Atomic Energy Commission would hurry and snap up that wool and say, no, you can't sell this on the open market. We're going to take it away and test it. And it came at some serious financial loss uh, for people like my uncle and others who uh, herded sheep out there. Anyway, it's called Under the Cloud, the Decades of Nuclear Testing, or the, is that? yeah, Under the Cloud, the Decades of Nuclear Testing. And I wholeheartedly recommend it to those of you who are interested in that sort of thing. And I'm out of time. Thanks all for coming. And we'll see you all next week. This is yeah. interesting. Thank you for a fantastic oh. show. Yep. Thanks Thank for you, fixing Jill. the Zoom. Stopped. Thanks for fixing the Zoom link. Link.